We want to welcome Courtney Townley to the Co-Movement Gym podcast. Courtney is a mover, a shaker, and a healthy people maker. She is the founder of Grace and Grit, where she helps women reclaim their health and happiness. Courtney has spent time as a dancer, movement teacher, gym owner, health coach, self-development junkie, and motivational speaker. She graduated from the University of Michigan and is a fully certified Pilates instructor, national strength and conditioning personal trainer, ACE health coach, precision nutrition level two coach, and has hosted over 250 episodes of her podcast, Grace and Gret. She is also a very proud student of the Edo Portal Method. Her YouTube video that highlights her training under Edo has over 355,000 views. She is most recently a graduate from one of the most respected life coaching programs in the world, the Life Coach School. Courtney lives in Missoula, Montana with her husband, son, and massive Great Dane, Sully. Courtney was a prior guest on our show and a true pleasure to speak with. She works with hundreds of clients and guides them to improving their overall physical and mental health. She walks the walk on a daily basis and is an authentic, high-energy human. Courtney was the first person I thought of when this particular topic came to mind, so sit back and enjoy the show. We want to welcome you to the Co-Movement Gym Podcast, where we inspire people to move and live courageously. I want to take a moment and thank our show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Sutmire Law Firm, and Native Path Supplements. These are companies we personally use and trust. Mention the Co-Movement Gym Podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic or Sutmire Law Firm. And not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15 at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com and receive 15% off all of your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy. All right, welcome to the Co Movement Gym Podcast. We got Courtney back on the show. How you doing, Courtney? Awesome, as always. So good to be here. Yeah, well, I know you've been on before, and you were amazing to talk with. High energy and just optimistic, and I think we need more of that with uh, the the news and today's world. So here we are talking again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'll take it. I'll take it. Cool. So I was literally driving down the road a few weeks ago and I, I sent you an email. I pulled over on the side of the road and this there's this topic that I've been really thinking a lot about lately and seeing reoccurring patterns and trends. And so I sent you this email. And so the topic that I want to go over and just have an open conversation with, I think so many people can benefit from is who you surround yourself with on a daily basis is going to dramatically affect your future when it comes to success and happiness. And I am seeing not only at the gym, but all over people that have so much more potential, but who they're looking to for support in their peer group and their friends and their family are, and I'll just put it frank, like anchoring them tremendously. And I don't even just have one example. I have many, many examples, and I'm sure you've seen this many times. Yeah. Um, but this is just something I want to talk about today. Um, for the listeners, though, there's a quote by Jordan Peterson. That it's funny. I sent you the email. We got the call lined up, and then I heard this quote, and I was like, this is good. Um, <laughs> it's meant to be. Yes. Uh, there's many, many people who are starving for a word of encouragement. And if you provide that, they run with it. Why weren't they encouraged to begin with? Now, right there is a deep, deep hole to fall down. And so I guess that's sort of a good place to to kick it off with, you know, Um, so much potential, so many youth and, you know, people with career changes and this and that, but they're being held back. So Courtney, jump on in. Well, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I I see this a lot in my own community. I mean, I largely work with kind of middle-aged women who it's a really interesting population because they have cultivated a life, family, career, all the things. 
Um, and now they're starting to kind of question some of those choices. Not They don't want to get rid of their family. They don't necessarily want to quit their job. But it, middle age is definitely a time where we look around and we start wanting to renovate some things. And I will tell you the number one reason that women don't renovate sooner than they do is because they're afraid of making other people uncomfortable. Wow. They're afraid of disrupting other people's comfort, you know, whether it's their spouse or their workspace or their, you know, their boss, whatever it may be. And I think that's a very primal thing, right? Like we are meant to be in community with other humans. And when we feel like we are going against the current <laughs> of what this sort of incubator that we've been living in for a while um, is, is doing, it feels dangerous. It feels like, oh my gosh, everybody's going to reject me and I'm going to be out here alone. Um, and I'm not at a stage in my life where I'm okay with that. And I don't think we're ever okay with that. But there's a very real fear coming from the person who wants to change about rejection. And then I also think that a big part of the reason we may not feel support with people we've been friends with for years or places that we should feel like we should be supported is because those people are afraid of our change. Yeah. Humans like certainty. They like to know that good, bad, or ugly, they can predict how you're going to show up today. Mm -hmm. And if you show up differently, it freaks them out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they don't know where that's leading. Right. So I think a lot of it just goes to like that amygdala, the part of our brain that loves to react to everything and kind of think that everything's out to get us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's like, when we can see it through that lens, we can also treat it with compassion that I can treat myself with compassion because I can see a little bit why I am acting this way. I'm reluctant to make the change. And I can also afford other people compassion because I can see their discomfort with my change process. Sure. So you think then that, that maybe negative feedback or what I call like anchoring type feedback is coming from that individual who's providing this, let's say, negative advice, um, the fear of discomfort on their end with some kind of change, whether it's in a friendship or a relationship of some sort, right? I do. I think they're afraid of the person changing. Mm -hmm. And I think they're also afraid of maybe being wrong. Well, that's interesting because <laughs> I agree. I agree. Like I had three phone calls in the last month and this was sort of like the part that just pushed me over the edge to want to do this podcast with, yeah. you know, individuals in their fifties, yeah. successful business people. And one of which took actually two out of the three took a huge jump. They bought a big piece of real estate. It was, you know, like, wow, like that's crazy, but so cool. Right. Um, and they said in the conversation that they didn't tell their spouse to the last minute because they knew that they would just be full of doubt, fear, you know, try to pull them back and hold them back. And it was the same thing with the other two people I was talking with that they just said they stopped telling their spouse about their dreams a long time ago and kept and just but but they continued to pursue them, but under their own command. And it's not just spouses. I see it with friends. We have a lot of, um, I say a lot, we have a handful of 20 young 20 year olds here at the gym. And I see so much potential in them, but their parents, right, are giving them the feedback of play it state safe and this and that. And then the friends are doing the same thing. Their friends aren't going anywhere, but these kids got so much potential, super fit, good looking, well spoken, you know, the whole deal. And they're just hanging out and I want to wring their necks. And so, you know, again, I don't, I don't have specific questions around this other than a conversation, but you know, it's, I just want to emphasize to people listening how important it is to have your peer group and relationships in order with people that want to push you and want the best for you and even if you have a wildly crazy bad idea, they provide feedback and not just doubt, fear, and shut you down, right? 
A hundred percent. You you know, remember that childhood song, um, make new friends, but keep the old. There was something like make new friends, but keep the old. Yeah. I'm a terrible singer. So anyway, but you, you got it. And, and I think that there, that is the space that we kind of have to move into when we do want to change our life because we can't always expect support. I mean, I know, and that sounds terrible. Like you would expect, you, you kind of want to expect support from your spouse, but we may not always get the type of, uh, support that we're expecting. And so I think it is our responsibility. It's a self-leadership move to go out and find communities of people that are interested in having that conversation and having your back on that level. It doesn't mean we have to eradicate all the friends we've had from our past. Although I will say, I do think that these kinds of decisions sometimes complete relationships where we just decide, like we both evolved to a point in our life where it's time we move on because we're not really supporting each other in the way that's useful to either of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I also think it is our job to manage our brain around what we make people's non-support mean. Oh, okay. So go, go deeper into that. Yeah. Because I think like my parent, my own parents, right? Like they, they love me to the moon and back. They've always been incredibly supportive and they have not always loved my decisions in terms of moving to new places and changing, you know, directions in my career. And now being a parent, I can see where a lot of that comes from. It's because they just love me so much. They don't want to see me unnecessarily suffer. And anytime we take a risk, of course, we're opening ourselves up to unnecessary suffering. That's the journey. And we want to pad our loved ones from hurting. Right. And so it's just easier to say, gosh, honey, you know, like, what if you just don't make enough money or what if like this doesn't work out? They kind of play that devil's advocate role. Um, and, and I, this is going to sound terrible, but it was one of the healthiest things I ever did in my mid thirties. I realized I mentally needed to divorce my parents. Mm -hmm. I needed to stop looking to their, for their approval And looking to them to be the ones who support me in every decision that I make. Mm -hmm. And once I made that decision, number one, it improved our relationship because it just removed that whole expectation. Mm -hmm. And I was able to seek out what I was needing from them that they were unable to give in other places. So, so I do think for me to, to just remind myself that, okay, my mom is thinking that maybe I won't be successful with this. What else might be true about that? That she's just not supporting me. She loves me so much. She doesn't want to see me hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, so, a, that's, that's a great point. And I have that down here. It's so funny. I put here general default is to follow your parents' footsteps because of the advice. I have that written right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's part of the trend that I'm seeing. Right. And I don't, again, I don't, I'm not thinking of anything specific other than just the many examples I've seen, but you're, you're hitting on this beautifully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's, it's, it's every, you know, anytime we're feeling, I think disrupted in a relationship whether it's with ourselves or with someone else, there's so much value in asking the question, how am I contributing to this disruption? Mm -hmm. And somebody may not be supporting you right now for their, out of their own fear, right? Not because they don't like you or because they want to see you fail. It could be for the completely opposite reason. But when we see that someone's not supporting us, it is our work to manage our brains around that if the relationship's important to us, right? And I think like the the examples you gave of the like that your clients making taking these big risks and waiting till the very last second to tell their their spouses, I wonder what would have been different had they told their spouses earlier. And manage their brain in a way to have those conversations that no matter how their spouse reacted, they would be okay. They wouldn't take it personally as an affront. So can you um, give an example? Like, um, let's just fly it out there. You know, um, you come home, you you throw out this big real estate deal. I bought a million dollar property and it's going to be a huge project. And wow, we close in a week. (laughs) You know, and then 
you play the opposite role with the fear and whatnot. Like how does the person revealing the exciting plans reframe their mindset to be okay with hearing what they don't want to hear? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, this is, this is going to sound kind of crazy and impossible, but it's kind of just, it's neutralizing language Mm -hmm. that no matter what someone says to me, I get to decide how I want to color that information. So my husband could tell me, wow, that is a terrible decision. I wish you would have talked to me earlier. And I could color that with, he doesn't love me and he doesn't want to see me succeed. Or I could color that with, he's really freaked out by my decision. And that's okay. He's a human. We get freaked out all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one of the things that I use with my clients all the time, and I use it in my own life. It's from Brene Brene Brown. Um, But when somebody responds in a way that kind of makes you feel conflicted or triggers you in some way, just to use the line, the story I'm telling myself right now, and you say it out loud, the story I'm telling myself right now about what you just said is you don't think that I'm capable of making good decisions Mm -hmm. as a 50-year-old businessman or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because starting with that phrase, the story I'm telling myself It's like you're allowing space for a conversation. I'm not reacting and shutting down or yelling back or completely removing myself from that person's life. I'm giving them an opportunity to edit my story. Mm -hmm. Right? So I say this all the time to my husband. The story I'm telling myself right now is you think I'm a jerk. (laughs) Right? And he'll say, whoa, that is not at all where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. It gives him the opportunity to tell me how he really feels. And often he'll tell me that I am kind of freaked out. And here's why. Sure. I like that. That's almost like a mediator in the middle when you say the story that I'm telling myself. Yeah. Um, that's a really cool, that's a cool tip for listeners, myself included. I like that. It's yeah. so, I'm telling you, it's so powerful because it gives you all the power. It's saying, look, I realize that in this moment, I'm the person coloring the story. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's re- creating this like Oscar nominated script about why you aren't supporting me right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm by saying that, I'm just giving you the opportunity to edit my story, to tell me that it's not that. Sure. And even if it is, huh? then like what you said a few minutes ago, we still can choose how we want to interpret, right? Or handle that kind of feedback, right? Um, And, you know, another thing I have here, and it goes exactly with what I just said, but eagles fly alone. Eagles fly alone. I I hear this a lot, like with the different podcasts and stuff that I, that I listen to. And so sort of higher up the, the ladder you go and whether it's business or it's your job or this or that, and with, you know, risk-taking or visionary type work, you're, you're more and more alone. Have you heard that Courtney before? I think I've heard it and I've lived it. I mean, a hundred percent. I feel like the, the, the further I go in my career and sort of just kind of choose my own journey, the, the, the more willing I have been to travel alone. And not feel that I have to. Now, to be fair, I've, I've created an entire community mm-hmm. to literally generate my own support, <laughs> right? That so is so... I have a podcast and all the things because I want to have these conversations and I want to feel like I have a community. But at the same time, there's a part of it that feels really lonely because I'm the one who's facilitating it, sure. right? I'm leading it. Mm-hmm. Um I, and I definitely make an effort to get out and create these, my own pockets of support, which have actually shown up in really surprising places. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do resonate with that big time that I do think that the, the more risks you take in your life and the sort of the higher elevation you choose to live your life at, mm-hmm. the more willing you need to be with doing it alone. What you just said, I literally said to one of our trainers, Bob, like five minutes before this call, was that the best part of creating co-movement 12 years ago, why it's not the money, the, the success, the freedom, you know, having your business, whatever. It's the community. It's the pocket of people that I'm surrounded with six, seven days a week, all the time in and out of these doors 
um, I've sort of p- built like a pillow around myself with people with like values. And yes. so that's why I think that I get so frustrated seeing the opposite of what people are dealing with and wish that they could create that pocket for themselves, you know? Yeah. And you touched on another thing that goes directly with this is that we have to, and I've, I've been doing this homework with myself also, it's our responsibility to go find people to put in that, you know, support mechanism that works for us. It's not like they're going to naturally show up, right? And so if you're around, for people listening, if you're around those that aren't pushing you to be better and support you, then it's on you to go find a group of people that are going to do that. And you said, Courtney, and this was awesome. You said your podcast is a big part of that for you, right? Yeah. And this has been the best part of our podcast. We're like um, a year and a half in, okay? We do one episode a week. So, you know, what is that? Like 77 episodes, 87. I have made some awesome friends, like (laughs) like email friends, text message friends. Yeah really cool, great people that we just hit it off. And like, it's just been awesome. And so now they're in that group. And that just started with an email, like, hey, my name's Josh Lewis, and whatever, you know, and here we are, you know, looking to do, you know, meetups or a seminar, you know, whatever. And now I've got another good friend, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it's kind of like, it's identifying the conversations you want to normalize, right? Which is why you and I have podcasts because these are topics that we don't see frequently talked about and we do feel that they're so important to have. So we we spearheaded that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is our responsibility to find those places and spaces where we can have those conversations um, and where we can get support if we're not getting it in the environments that we're currently in. And that is that is big work. Like that is no small feat because, you know, self-doubt comes up full force and tells you maybe you're not worthy to hang out in super, you know, certain circles or who are you to start a podcast or spearhead some kind of community. Um, And so I always say like, it's such a great gateway for personal development because you get to confront all your own crap, you know, by, being willing to find the right support networks and, and and maybe even be the generator of a support network if that's what it comes down to. Like, I don't know, you know, if, if, if the conversations that you and I had were super normal and had being had all the time, I don't think we ever would have felt compelled to maybe do the work that we do. Mm-hmm. So there's something really unique about it and special about it that we do have to go out and challenge ourselves in new ways to create these incubators. That is, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, And that's a big step for everyone to take an idea and a dream and then start to manifest that into reality because then that takes action. And action is just what you said, putting yourself out there and you're vulnerable, right? And new friends or conversations. Like, the first chunk of podcasts I did, oh, I was so nervous, you know? And it's like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And so like, same thing with like public talks, like everyone that does these, you know, which, you know, you and I, I'm sure have done quite a few of these, but you still get nervous, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's normal. But I think that there's a, a piece that the more you do with putting yourself out there and not being too hard on yourself, the more you get used to it, right? And yeah. so, but that is something for people listening, that is, and I, I say it here when people come here for a consultation for the gym, like you just took the hardest step is walking through the door and saying, hi, I'm Susie and nice to meet you. Like that's the hardest piece. Yeah. And then from there, you've now you've officially put yourself out there and you're in the trenches and here we go, Right. But that first step, that first leap is so hard for people. It is because you don't know how you're going to be received. You're not necessarily good at the skill sets that this environment is, you know, kind of providing you with to learn like your gym. 
I, I mean, I think there's so many uh, layers that we have to be willing to be a beginner and be super uncomfortable to be able to walk in those doors. Mm-hmm. And I always say, like, I use this phrase a lot that um, healing is an act of exposure. We have to be willing to expose ourselves to new environments and to the truth of kind of what we want and what we want to create in order to get ourselves out of kind of these dark holes, right? Which sometimes the people we've been spending time with have helped to generate that dark hole because Mm -hmm. we don't feel supported uh, moving out of it. And so we don't heal in our current circles. So we have to be willing to put ourselves out there to meet other people for sure. Absolutely. Um, there's a quote also, I had this down. Uh, I don't know who said this, but I sort of live by this, but it says, uh, fuck it, ship it. I just fuck it, ship it. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, you've got an idea, whatever, like throw it out there, see what yeah. sticks and move on, you know, um, versus overanalyzing and looking to too many people for too many opinions. Right. Like, just, um, I know I've read this before in articles where like big companies will literally purchase like $500 of Facebook ads on an idea that hasn't even been created. It's just an idea to see the response of if this stands a chance, you know, and that's just the fuck it, ship it, like create it, figure it out and then go. And if it doesn't go, then be able to quit quickly and move on but you got to put it out there, you know? Yeah. So it reminds me of two things. Like number one, fail fast. We are not a culture of failing fast. We like, especially women, by the way, like if um, we, we tend to brood a lot more than men. So we overthink and overthink. And I'm not saying men are immune to that, but I, 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 there's a great book called the confidence code where they actually go into the science of this. And women do tend to be brooders. We overthink. And when you're thinking, you're not acting right? So we can think about taking a job promotion for months or years before we finally take it. And at that point, it may not even be available, right? Um, So I think definitely we need to fail faster. And the other thing it reminds me of is, um, you know, fuck it, ship it, reminds me of just this concept of like B minus work. I don't need to put A plus work out into the world. I can. And I actually tried to do that for many years. And I produced an a fraction of the amount of work I create now. So when I became more willing to fail and, you know, do launches that didn't work well or try campaigns that didn't sell well, I was able to figure out what worked faster, but that required me doing B minus work. Yeah. Can it be better? Absolutely. That is so spot on. I have written down, I, I have a, a calendar. I like to write with like pencil in it. <laughs> I like yeah. to in school for how I schedule. Yeah. But like I, I write right on the front page, it says 80-20. And that's 80% of the end result in 20% of the time. So like yeah. for like you just said, B minus. So I'm giving myself an 80 on things, but yeah. I can get to that 80 in 20% of the time which makes me, allows me to do so much more work, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And it's it, it just, you know, that perfectionism, which I think so many of us wrestle with is, it, it just, it, it's a delay strategy, right? Like when you're worried, when you're so hyper-focused on perfectionism, you're really just hiding because you're never going to ship. Mm-hmm. It can always be better. That's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Because I, I know, a lot of people that read a lot of self-help books and they listen to a lot of podcasts and they're not taking that step to using all of that information, right? I'm calling this information hoarding lately. Yeah, that's good. We're hoarding all this information, right? More, more, more information, which dear God, there's no shortage of information in, you know, in our world today. And we, we consume to the point of doing two things. Number one, overwhelming our brain, mm-hmm. right? And an overwhelmed brain is like not going to do anything, yeah. right? Because yeah. it just is too freaky. Um, and, and again, and again, we hide behind inaction. If we just keep consuming information, we yeah. can kid ourselves that I'm taking action, mm-hmm. but you're not taking action that requires any kind of risk. Yeah. I can listen to a pot. I can listen to 20 podcasts today and learn a ton of information. Mm-hmm. But if I apply just one of those strategies that I learned from one of those podcasts, 
That requires risk. That requires me opening myself up to failure. That That's the missing step, right? In so much of this conversation, that's the missing step. I actually do detoxes where I don't read or listen to podcasts for like chunks of time Mm -hmm. uh, because I'll get in that mode. And that mode is addictive because you feel accomplished and successful. I just read 80 pages tonight or I listened to a three-hour podcast. And like, that's great. Like, good job, right? But you know, why are you even listening or reading that in the first place? If it's truly just for entertainment and killing time, then yeah. congratulations, you know, yeah. but if you're trying to get something out of it to apply, yeah. and then your next step is just to do more of that, you're not applying anything. So I will literally go on like two to four week cycles where I don't read anything um, other than like a newspaper, right? Like uh, my, my local town newspaper, you know? Yeah. Um, and same thing with podcasts. I'll get, I'll find so many interesting titles that I just will like bookmark them all. And then I'll just chip away. But then I'm like, man, you are spending so much energy consuming and you're not writing that newsletter, doing more sales calls, you know, working with more clients, whatever it is, you're not doing, doing, you're just consuming. Yeah. Um, if you look at like with books, for example, the self-help category is like the number one category. Everyone wants that next book to consume with the three tips to happiness. People should be backing off of that at some level in cycles, right? But then applying what they've actually consumed. I always joke that I built an entire business, right? Off the most unsexy concept in the world, which is you already know. It's this is you moving your life to higher ground is not a matter of not knowing. It's not doing. That's great. Right? So that's where we do all the work is why aren't you doing what you already know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I have never coached a client cuz they all come thinking they need more information. Right. That's usually like in the first conversation I have with them, they think they need more information, but literally within 20 minutes, I dig out of them everything they already know Mm -hmm. and they know enough to start. They may not know everything that's going to carry them across the finish line, Mm -hmm. but they know a plenty to start putting into practice. So the real work we have to do is why aren't you doing it? Why aren't Mm -hmm. you putting those things into practice? And it might circle back to what we started this whole conversation with is they just don't feel supported. They don't believe in themselves enough to take it on their own. And they're not getting support from the people around them to help bolster. That's a really good point where you start with your clients there. That's very interesting. You, as you ask them the limiting steps or the reasons they haven't put their foot in the arena yet. Right? And versus giving them the next tip or piece of advice Like, you know, so-and-so isn't eating healthy. Okay. So they come to you looking for a health tip. And you say, you know that eating less sugar, not drinking alcohol and eating, you know, meat, fruits and vegetables, you know, like that's good for you. And they say, yes. Well, then why aren't you doing it? (laughs) Exactly. And I'll tell you, it always boils down to like three things. Like Uh they either have, they either have no strategy, Mm -hmm. right? Or they have a really overwhelming strategy. So they're living at one or one end of the spectrum or the other. So they're not, they're not treating their brain nicely. They're not putting it in a strategy that actually keeps them consistent. So strategy is always an issue. Their brain is always an issue. The way they're choosing to think about the work, mm-hmm. right? What's involved and, and why they're not capable and why they'll never be an athlete. Like all the thoughts, right? That get in the way of them not taking action, and then, of course, people just don't have much emotional agility. I don't know if you ever read Susan David's emotional agility book, but I may I try to get everybody, all my clients to read it because it's just really the skill set of bringing, allowing all emotions a seat at the table. Because when you try to move your life to higher ground, you're going to have the opportunity to sit with all of them. And if you can't sit with difficult emotion, you're going to eat it. You're going to drink it. You're going to Netflix it. You're going to shop it. You're going to do all kinds of things except feel it. And that's all going to get in the way of you actually moving your life. Sure. What was that? What was that book again, Courtney? Emotional agility. 
Emotional agility. Okay. So for people listening, uh, write that down. I will be looking into that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. And she does such a beautiful job of just talking about, you know, we have to remove these labels that there's, you know, good and bad emotions. There really isn't. There's just emotions and emotions are messengers and they have messages for you. And when you lock them outside and you don't let them in, they can't inform your life. They can't tell you what you value. They can't tell you how you cope with things. They can't inspire you to take a next step. And what we do to not let those emotions in costs us almost everything. Like numbing it out almost. Totally numbing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's either, you know, kind of compartmentalizing it, which is super damaging to our nervous system. Uh, or it's reaching for something outside of you that will change your emotional landscape immediately, but only temporarily. So the alcohol, the food, all the things. Mm-hmm. And we're culture of that. Just oh, well, sh- shop, shopping. Yeah, shopping alone. Like the next new thing on Amazon comes in the mail. The dopamine goes up and you're happy for that hour, right? And then you start shopping again or you check Zillow or, right? Like you're just constantly searching for that. Well, yeah, it's not even, you know, our culture, number one, sells us pleasure at every turn, Mm -hmm. but it's not just pleasure. It's concentrated pleasure. Yeah. Right. So think of social media, right? It's like it, it constantly sends that, you know, spikes that dopamine in our brain all day long. Same thing with like, um, you know, baked goods or candy. It's not just sugar. It's concentrated sugar. Same thing with alcohol. So it's not that we're we're just creating these moments of pleasure. We're creating these huge surges of pleasure. And then of course, you know, Huberman talks about this all the time. Um, and Anna Lebecki did her dopamine nation book. So good. But she talks about however high that dopamine rises, it's going to fall equally sure. as far. Totally. So you feel worse and then you have to do more of the thing. Yep. So learning to like, when you're, when you are in a space of feeling like you want to change something about your life and you may not have access to the kind of support that you need. It's all on you. (laughs) Learning to be with emotion and it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be all the things, but we add to those problems when we make it mean something bad. Like I'm not supposed to be angry, right? Or I should never be frustrated. It means I'm a failure. No, it doesn't. It means that you're learning a new skill and you're practicing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? So how we how the meaning we put on the emotion itself is really important. Just like the meaning we put on what other people say to us is yes. super important. <laughs> wow. See, this conversation went in a direction I didn't I, I didn't expect, which is amazing. I, I get that a lot. <laughs> no, it's good. This is why I didn't have an agenda cuz man, it just no. this is really great stuff. This is awesome. Um, you mentioned along the, the exactly what we were just saying, where people lack strategies, yeah. right? Why? And I see this. Um, so you have a goal, hopefully a lot of people don't, but if they do, but then there's no strategy or plan on how to achieve the goal. Why? And I have my own answer for this, but why do you think people lack putting down a strategy and a plan to achieve a goal they know they want to do. Why do you think that? Because if you don't have a plan, you don't have to take action. Yes. So I was just going right? to say. I mean, it's again, yes. it's a hiding strategy, right? Yeah. It's an avoidance tactic. Sure. Yes. And, I, and I can't. You know, it's a sister to language like, I don't know. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time. All of that is a part of, it's a, hide, a hiding strategy. Sure. Right. So I always say, like, if you're going to use a statement like that, let's reframe it into a really good question. Why don't I have the time? Mm-hmm. Right. What would I tell my best friend if she had the same problem? I bet I'd have all the answers. <laughs> <That's true. Right? laughs> so, yeah, it's, we hide a lot. Uh-huh. We hide a lot. And not having a strategy is one of the ways we hide from what we want most in our life. And I think it's so much easier now. And geez, I'll just say the last 10 years um, for generalization, but it's easy to hide every moment 
and still be comfortable, right? We have everything at our fingertips. Like we said, whether it's a podcast or a text message or a book, or, you know, we're listening to, um, you know, you know, any information coming in or shopping, right? Or we can hide, 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 because we have anything at our fingertips, sugar, you know, you know, unlimited fruits that taste great and anything we want is at the, you know, our fingertips. And that lets us just hide from maybe that uncomfortable first step we need to take to actually do something, you know? Um, And I I have a feeling, and this is just a hypothesis, but we're calling our ancestors, um, took way more action towards their goals because A, they they had to, right? But B... They didn't have those distractions that I just described. Like literally, like if something had to be done or they knew it had to be done soon and your night consisted of like crawling into an uninsulated cabin with a wood stove and like um, that's about it, right? (laughs) There is no comfort to say, you know what? I just want some peanut butter cups right now and I'm going to watch Netflix and then I'm going to go into my warm bed. And yes. there was none of that. And so they yeah. just took action constantly. Right. Did you ever read comfort crisis? No. Oh, it's another good one. Uh, Michael Easter, I think, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Michael Easter is the author, mm-hmm. but it's fantastic. He talks all about, um, signing up with these two guys to go on this hunting excursion in Alaska. Now, mind you, he has no hunting experience. He had, he's been living a city life for years. And so he gets out there and he is so taken back by how much discomfort affords him. Right. So he's out there. He he doesn't have, he has like two outfits to change in between. He only has a few choices for food. If he even has food, there's nothing but boredom and silence while you're waiting for these herd, uh, you know, the herds of elk to pass through. But he uses all of that as an opportunity to really juxtapose it to modern day life. Mm-hmm. And, and, and how much we're missing because we're so busy all the time. And mm-hmm. in my community, we just did a whole month on the power of presence mm-hmm. because, you know, we can talk about all the foods you could be eating to be more nutritious and all the ways to move your body, but something as simple as just being present to what's right in front of you. It's such a lost art and it's so powerful. Like when people are actually tasting their food, they experience it. And they don't overconsume because they're noticing that they're getting full and they're actually experiencing the flavor and the texture and all the things. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting when you take really simple skill sets like that of just not being distracted and mm-hmm. allow yourself to be bored and go on the fast, like you said, from the podcast and the reading, like what that awake, awakens for you is, is pretty profound for sure. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people that I have run in contact with that I've given that advice to struggle with that, like dramatically. So here's a crazy example. I've got two of them. Um, We have a sauna here and the sauna you can't bring your phone into because it'll overheat. And so there are a large number of people that don't use the sauna that want to use the sauna because they can't sit in silence. Like literally they say like, my mind will just go crazy and I just can't sit there for 40 minutes or whatever. Okay. Um, so that's a one example. The other one was a few years ago, I, um, I designed a, a 24 hour unplugged challenge. So like it was during the summer and I recommended like going off grid, camping, whatever, no, you know, news, phone, literally like nothing, but like the sun, the moon, the soil, whatever. Um, And we got, we out of a community of like over a hundred people, like three people did it. And they, it was hysterical, Courtney, in the gym, the number of people that were just listing off 
all these reasons that that just isn't possible for them. And it was everything from like, I don't know what my family would do. And if, you know, Johnny gets sick and it was just on and on and on. But there were people that, there were some people that just said, I'll be honest with you. Like I would go crazy. And that all really supports exactly what you were just saying. You know, they, they can't have that ability. They don't have that ability to be present. And that is a lost art. Well, so I think I think the the invitation that you and I both give to our communities is to choose discomfort on purpose. I just took a cold shower before this call. (laughs) I mean, it's like those daily things like the shower, right? Or turning the cell phone off for an hour. And, you know, you can titrate it. Like for someone 24 hours of no technology at all when they're on it 24-7, it might feel overwhelming. It might feel terrifying. And so, you know, just offering that let's just do an hour today, right? Like they they definitely can, can take a dosage of that, that's still uncomfortable, but it just maybe meets them where they're at. So they can sort of enter that space of an eventual 24 hours. Um, And I think that goes back to that whole strategy piece that a lot of people, they read these books, they, they see this methodology and they want to do it all overnight, right? They think, well, I want to be someone who goes once a week, a whole day without eating. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, can we just start with like maybe four hours? Mm-hmm. of not eating and see how that goes or a day without snacking and just do three solid meals. Like, you know, there's so many ways to enter that gate mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be like this ripping off of the Band-Aid, which again, I think freaks our brain out and we're just not going to do it. We might do it once, but we may never touch it again if it's For too sure. extreme. <laughs> For sure. So true. Yeah. Well, you know, we could talk for a long time on this topic, but uh, my goal today was a, I felt a calling to do this with you, um, have this conversation. I'm hoping this can benefit people listening. Um, I want to leave off with two, one's a statistic and the other is just, I, I, it was a survey they did. Um, 87% of people are unhappy day to day. So as you said, Courtney, it's on you to change that take responsibility, find the friends, the support group, the network, take the advice on this call to not be part of that 87% because that's not normal. Even though the majority are unhappy, that doesn't mean that's normal. The other thing is, um, and I'm sure you saw this, but I think it was Susan Steiner was a nurse and she did a a survey with terminally ill patients. um, And they, they asked them what the number one regret in life was for them. And not one of them said any, it was anything that they did do. It was the things they didn't do. And I sort of live by that. Well, I would say sort of, I do live by that. I will, I will say that I do. I jump in and I know you jump in and I don't ever want to say, I wish I did this. I want to say I tried it, right? Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but no one says you know, it was any any regret of the thing that they did. It was the things they didn't do. And I guess that sort of can summarize a lot of what we're talking about with, you know, pursuing success and happiness, being around that support network and whatnot. So well, and I think it, I think it reiterates why a support network is so important because when you have a lifetime of a belief that you can't do something, even though your heart's kind of you know pulling you in that direction. It's really helpful to hire a coach, right? Work with a mentor, find a community where you can borrow their beliefs, right? Because that's how it starts. It's like, you know, children borrow our beliefs in them. And the hope is eventually they adopt those beliefs as their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I borrowed beliefs from so many people in my life because I like aspired to something, but I felt so far from it. And I really wasn't sure I could do it. But to be with somebody who I knew was just kind of my Sherpa, right? They were just kind of pointing out the holes and maybe the cliffs I didn't want to jump off of and things of that nature. And 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 I travel long enough with someone like that, that I start to build my own confidence and I can start leading myself better. Everyone, everyone needs a community. Yeah, right? agreed. Everyone needs a mentor. You you described it nice um, as a Sherpa. <laughs> I like yeah. that. 
They need it. Um, I have it. You have it. Um, we've had many along our journeys. Um, but doing it on your own, I won't say it's impossible, but it's very, very hard. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even what I said earlier, like sort of, you know, the, the, the further I travel in my own journey, sometimes the more alone I feel, but I also feel like I'm expanding my circle all the time. Cause I'm reaching out to people. Like, like you said, like on the podcast, you've connected with all these people you never would know otherwise. And that's kind of the way of it. You just kind of open yourself up to allowing new people into your circle who can offer you a breadcrumb here or like sort of a, a moment of support there. Um, and it makes life so good. Mm -hmm. It really does, right? There's so many, it's like the goal that you initially had that, that sort of inspired you to find the community. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's not really about the goal anymore. It's, it's about the expansion of your life. And this nugget just kind of drew you in that direction. Yeah. And that's Courtney. I think that is a great, great sentence. Great paragraph there to leave off on. That's, that is awesome. Thank you for the time today. This was an awesome chat. Um, I want listeners to know how they can find the work that you're doing. Um, I want people to look into, you know, your business and whatnot, um, because again, I'm a huge fan. So how can they learn more? Yeah. So I would say the best place is probably the podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. So the Grace and Grit podcast, which you can find on my website, graceandgrit.com. I mean, we're almost 300 episodes in. It's been, you know, seven years in the making. And certainly the message has changed, but it, it all like we were talking about before we even started recording, it all feeds into the message I speak to today. Um, And really, yes, I work with people privately, but um, my, my big focus right now is on my community, which is called Rumble and Rise. And it's really an incubator for midlife women who are in the throes of renovating their life in some way. Um, We use health as kind of the entry point. Cause I always say health is base camp right? Health is not the point of life. It is the base camp of life. Like you cannot go after the things on your heart if you feel terrible. So so we spend time kind of building the base. um, And then we have bigger conversations about now that you have this, what are you going to do with it? Right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. So if anyone wants to check that out again, my website, it's graceandgrit.com. And that page specifically is uh, ready to rumble. Awesome. And I will put the links right in the show notes, Um, blast that out. And um, Courtney, I'm sure we will hop on a call in another six months to a year. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to take a moment and thank our show sponsors, Lombardi Chiropractic, Sutmire Law Firm, and Native Path Supplements. These are companies we personally use and trust. Mention the Co-Movement Gym podcast when you call Lombardi Chiropractic or Sutmar Law Firm. And not only will they treat you like family, they will provide a nice, enticing discount to all listeners. And use code COMO15, that's C-O-M-O-15 at checkout when shopping at nativepath.com and receive 15% off all of your orders. Your support to our show sponsors assists in us paying for expenses and continuing to provide content we hope you all enjoy.